Book Three, Chapter Four of the Heavenly Twins. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elsie Selwyn. The Heavenly Twins by Sarah Grand. Book Three, Chapter Four. There was much high talk of doing good and living for others at morn in these days, to which the twins listened attentively. It is evident from the thoughts they expressed at this time that the minds of both were in a state of fermentation, and that the more active pursuits in which they still indulged occasionally were the mere outcome of habit. When the conversation was interesting, they would sit beside Father Ricardo, whom they insisted on classing with themselves as an inferior being, and watched the speakers by the hour together, and Father Ricardo, too, gauging his moral temperature, and noting every sigh of pity or shiver of disapprobation that shook his sensitive frame. "'Where does it hurt you, dear?' Diabolo asked him once. "'I know you are a bad, bad man, because you say so yourself.' "'I never said so,' Father Ricardo exclaimed with a puzzled air. "'Well, you said you were a miserable sinner, not worthy, etc., and it comes to the same thing,' Diabolo rejoined. "'And I don't wonder you are disheartened when you see how impossible it is for you to be as disinterestedly good as Uncle Don and Dr. Galbraith. I feel so myself sometimes.' "'Oh, I hope I am disinterested,' Father Ricardo protested. "'I can't make it out if you are,' said Diabolo, shaking his head." You don't seem to love goodness for its own sake, but for the reward here and hereafter. The whole system you preach is one of reward and punishment. Father Ricardo had an innocent hobby. He was fond of old china and had made a beautiful collection with the help of such friends as Lord Don, Dr. Galbraith, and Lady Adeline Hamilton Wells, who never failed to bring him back any good specimen they might find in the course of their travels. One day at this time, after the talk had been running as usual upon self-sacrifice and living for others, he invited the whole party to inspect his collection, and they all went, with the exception of the heavenly twins, who were not to be found at the moment. When the others reached the room in which Father Ricardo kept his treasures, however, they were surprised to find the cabinets, comparatively speaking, bare, and with great gaps on the shelves, as if someone had been weeding them indiscriminately. The good father looked very blank at first, but the windows were wide open, and before he could think what had happened, a noise on the lawn below attracted everybody's attention, and on looking out to see what was the matter, they beheld the heavenly twins apparently intent upon organizing a revel. They were busy at the moment, and had been for some hours evidently, for they had collected an organ man with a monkey, a wandering musician with a harp, a man with a hammer who had been engaged in breaking stones, a punch and duty party consisting of a man, woman, and boy with their toby dog, five christy minstrels in their war-paint a respectable-looking mechanic with his wife and three children who were tramping from one place to another in search of work and a blind beggar and all these were seated in more or less awkward and constrained attitudes on easy chairs covered with satin velvet or brocade about the lawn with little tables before them on which was spread all the cooked food apparently that the castle contained when their admiring relatives first caught sight of the twins, Angelica, who had coiled up her hair and worn a long black dress, borrowed from her Aunt Fulda's wardrobe, a white apron with a bib and a white cap like a nurse's, the property of one of the ladies' maids, 
was pouring tea out of a silver urn and diavolo in his shirt-sleeves with a serviette under his arm like a waiter in a restaurant was standing beside her with a salver in his hand waiting to carry it to the mechanic's lady what on earth are you children doing lord don exclaimed feeding the hungry sir diavolo drawled cheerfully well groaned the poor priest you needn't have taken all my best china for that purpose we did that sir diavolo replied with dignity in order that you all unworthy as you are might have the pleasure of participating in this good work but there he said to angelica i told you he wouldn't appreciate it to the credit of the heavenly twins and their guests it must be recorded that no harm happened either to the china or the plate the next day was a saint's day and the children announced at breakfast that they intended to keep it they said they were going to compose a religion for themselves out of all the most agreeable practices enjoined by other religions and they proposed to begin by making that day a holiday mr ellis would have remonstrated at the waste of time and father ricardo at the absence of proper intention but the way the twins had put the proposition happened to amuse the duke and therefore they gained their point but having gained it they did not know very well what to do with themselves angelica wouldn't make plans she was thinking of the long dress she had worn the day before and feeling a vague desire to have her own lengthened and she wanted also to take that mysterious packet known as her work to her aunt fulda's sitting-room where the ladies usually spent the morning so as to be with them but she knew that diavolo would scorn her if she did and the outcome of all this vagueness of intention was a fit of excessive irritability she wanted sympathy but without being aware of the fact herself and the way she set about obtaining it was by being excessively disagreeable to everybody there was a rose in a glass beside her plate and she took it out and began to twiddle it between her fingers and thumb impatiently till she managed to prick herself with the thorns and then she complained of the pain oh that sort of thing doesn't hurt much diavolo declared it does hurt she maintained aggressively and pain is pain whether the seat of it be your head heart or hindquarters angelica lady fulda exclaimed with tragic emphasis someone must really talk to you seriously you are positively vulgar thank heaven angelica ejaculated fervently i knew i was going to be something she got up as she spoke and walked out of the room with her head in the air affecting a proud consciousness of having had greatness suddenly thrust upon her lady fulda looked helplessly first at father ricardo then at mr ellis can't you do something she said to the latter mr ellis replied by an almost imperceptible shrug of his shoulders we know better than to interfere when she's in one of her bad language tantrums diavolo explained when his grandfather left the table he followed him uninvited on a tour of inspection around the castle and grounds and finally retiring with him to the library whither the old duke usually went to rest read or meditate some time during the morning he coiled himself up in an armchair took a small book out of his pocket and began to study it diligently his grandfather glanced at him affectionately and with interest from time to time he was lonely in his old age and liked to have the boy about he had nobody left to him now who would touch his heart or take him out of himself as diavolo did for nobody else attached themselves to him in the same way or showed such an unaffected preference for having him all to themselves what are you reading sir he asked him at last euripides sir diavolo answered glancing over the top of his book for a moment as he spoke i'm just where hippolytus exclaims o oh, jove wherefore indeed didst thou place in the light of the sun that specious evil to men woman 
Are you reading Euripides with a key? His grandfather asked sternly. No, I am reading a key to Euripides, Diavolo answered. Don't you know your Greek, sir? His grandfather demanded. I'm just looking to see, sir, Diavolo rejoined, returning to his book. When he had finished the page, he looked up at his grandfather, who was sitting with his hands folded upon a large volume he held open on his knee, meditating, apparently. "'Beastly bad tone about women in the classics,' Diavolo remarked. "'Don't you think so, sir?' "'Ah, my boy, you don't know women yet,' the old duke responded. "'Then I have not made the most of my opportunities,' Diavolo said with a grin, "'for we meet with a fine variety in the houses about here.' But what I object to in these classical chaps, he resumed, is the way they sneaked and sniveled about women's faults as if they had none of their own, and then their mean trick of going back upon the women and reproaching them with their misfortunes. What do you mean by that? his grandfather asked. Well, sir, I suppose you would call old age a misfortune to a pretty woman, Diavolo answered, and just look at the language in which that fellow Horace taunts Lydia and Lycee when they grow old, and after the sickening way he fawned upon them when they were young, too. And here again, he said, holding up his book, is that fellow Hippolytus. Just because one woman has shocked him, he says, Never shall I be satisfied in my hatred against women, for in some way or other they are always bad. And a little further back, too, he scuffed the leaves over, he says that women is a great evil because men squander away the wealth of their houses upon them. If the men were such superior beings, why don't they show it somehow? Horace was as spiteful himself as any old woman. We should have called him a cad nowadays. And all this abuse, he shook his Euripides, is beastly bad form whichever way you look at it. He ruffled his thick tow hair as he spoke and yawned in conclusion. Then you are coming out as a champion of women, said the duke. Oh, by Jove, no, Diavolo exclaimed, straightening himself. I haven't the conceit to suppose they would accept such a champion, and besides, I think it's the other way on now. We shall want champions soon. You see, in the old days, women were so ignorant and subdued they couldn't retaliate or fight for themselves in any way. They never thought of such a thing. But now if you hit a woman, she'll give you back one promptly. He asseverated, rubbing a bump on his head suspiciously. She'll put you in punch, revile you in the dailies, magazine you, write you down an ass in a novel blackguard you in choice language from a public platform, or paint a picture of you which will make you wish you had never been born. Ridicule, he ejaculated, lowering his voice. They ridicule you. That's the worst of it. Now there's Adela. She can make a fellow ridiculous without a word. When old Lord Groom came back from Malta the other day, he called and began to jeer at Mrs. Churston's feet for being big and ugly. Adela let him finish, and then she just looked down at his own feet, and you could see in a minute that he wished himself an eastern potentate with petticoats to hide them under, for they were ugly enough to be indecent. The duke stretched out one of his own miniature models of feet upon this and glanced at it complacently. "'Where do you get all these ideas?' he asked. "'At your age I never had any, and if I had, I should have been ashamed to own it. You'll be a prig, sir, if you don't mind.' "'I don't mind,' Diavolo rejoined. I've heard you say that ladies dearly love a prig, and therefore I rather think of cultivating that tone. You should have been sent to public school, his grandfather said. It would have made a man of you. Oh, time will do that just as well, Diavolo answered encouragingly. At that moment the door opened and Lady Fulda answered. Papa, may I speak to you now? 
she asked and diavolo got up politely and lounged off to look for angelica he did not succeed in finding her however because she had driven into morning quest to do some shopping with her aunt claudia and idella she hated shopping as a rule and could seldom be persuaded to do any but that morning after breakfast she had gone to lady fulda's room where the three ladies were sitting and after fidgeting them to death by wandering up and down doing nothing with a scowl on her face and an ugly look of discontent in her fine dark eyes she burst out suddenly aunt fulda i want some long dresses lady fulda looked up at her in blank amazement but lady claudia who was all energy rolled up her work in an instant rang the bell ordered the carriage and answered come then and get what you like and ten minutes afterward they had started several unsuccessful attempts had been made to persuade angelica to wear long dresses and lady claudia felt that now when she proposed it herself it would never do to check the impulse and accordingly in less than a week from that day angelica the tomboy was to all appearance no more and miss hamilton wells astonished the neighborhood she came down to the drawing-room quite shyly in her first long dinner dress with her dark hair coiled neatly high on her head she had met mr kilroy on the stairs and he had looked at her in a strange startled way but he said nothing and neither did anybody else when she entered the room her grandfather however opened his eyes wide when he saw her and smiled as if he were gratified lord don gave her a second glance and seemed a little sad and idella went up to her and kissed her and then looked into her face for a moment very gravely making her feel as if she were on the eve of something momentous but diavolo would not look at her a second time one glimpse had been enough for him and during the whole of dinner he never raised his eyes his uncle don saw what was wrong with the boy and glanced at him from time to time sympathetically he meant to talk to him when the ladies had left the table but diavolo escaped unobserved before he could carry out his intention mr ellis however had seen him go and followed him he found him in the schoolroom crying as if his heart would break his slender frame all shaken with great convulsive sobs and the old books and playthings which had suddenly assumed for him the bitterly pathetic interest that attaches to one's love things when they are carelessly cast aside and forgotten scattered about him mr ellis sat down beside him and touched his hand and tried to comfort him but the tutor was sad at heart himself before very long however angelica burst in upon them with her hair down and in the shortest and oldest dress she possessed her passionate love for her brother had always been the great hopeful and redeeming point of her character and if she did show it principally by banging his head she never meant to hurt him almost any other sister would have owed him a grudge for not admiring her in her first fine gown and so spoiling her pleasure but angelica saw that he was thinking that the old days were over and there had come a change now which would divide them and she thought only of the pain he was suffering on that account so when she found that he was not going to join the ladies in the drawing-room she rushed upstairs to her own room which her maid was arranging for the night and relieved her feelings by tearing off her dinner dress rolling it in a wisp and throwing it at the woman her petticoats followed and then she kicked off her white satin shoes one of which lit on the mantelpiece the other on the dressing-table and tearing out her hairpins flung them about the floor in all directions my old brown gown elizabeth she demanded stamping what's the matter miss but angelica had snatched the gown from the wardrobe put it on and was halfway downstairs buttoning it as she went before the maid could finish the sentence when she entered the schoolroom she threw herself on her knees before diavolo and hugged him tight as if she had been going to lose him altogether or he had just escaped from a great danger i won't wear long dresses if you don't like them she protested 
well you won't go about like that he grumbled recovering himself the moment he felt her close to him again struck by a sense of impropriety in her short skirt after the grown-up appearance she had presented in the long one you look like a beggar well if i do wear a long one she declared it shall only be a disguise i promise you i'll be just as bad as ever in it and she drew a handkerchief out of her pocket which had been left there for months and was frowsy and wiped her own eyes and diavolo's abruptly your feelings are quite boggy diavolo she said giving a dry sob herself as she spoke you can't touch them at all without coming to water you cry when you laugh mr ellis had stolen softly out of the room as soon as he could do so unobserved and now the twins were sitting together in their favorite position on the same chair with their arms around each other and angelica's dark head slanted so as to lean against diavolo's fair one he had rewarded her last remark with a melancholy grin but the clouds had broken and it now only required time for them to roll away you'll get a mustache in time angelica proceeded in her most matter-of-fact tone i can see signs of it now in some lights only it's so fair it doesn't show much i'll shave it to make it darker he suggested now you mustn't do that she answered because that'll make it coarse and i want you to have one like uncle don's but when it comes it will make you look as much grown up as my long dresses do me and then we'll study some art and practice it together and not be separated all our lives we will said diavolo but i think we ought to begin at once angelica added thoughtfully just give me time to consider and come out into the grounds for a frolic i feel smothered in here and there is a moon End of book three chapter four